Hi, we're continuing in our series called David Shaped by God. And we're looking at the life of King David in the Bible. We've been doing it from the middle of 1 Samuel. We started at chapter 16. And we've now arrived at the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 9. And we're going to read the first 13 verses uh, of, of 2 Samuel, chapter 9. And then I will uh, start to unpack this and say, how does this story from thousands of years ago relate and shape our lives today in the 21st century? So let me read 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting at verse 1. It says this, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled at his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at, at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for such a dead dog as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. And what we read here is quite a dramatic and emotional story. And I've called this preach the power of kindness. Because let me just explain for a moment what's happened in the context of this story. When this young man Mephibosheth was five years old, his father Jonathan dies in battle with his father King Saul. And we've looked at that and how David grieved uh, several months ago at the beginning of uh, the book of 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, we actually read what happened to this young man. Uh, and it says in 2 Samuel 4, 4, that, that Jonathan had a son who, it says, was crippled in his feet. 
And when he was five years old, the news about Saul and Jonathan came and the nurse that was looking after him took him and ran, fled. And as they were fleeing, in haste, uh, he fell and became lame. It's like the, uh, she, the, he was dropped on the ground and from that moment he could no longer walk. It's a tragic story and this was Mephibosheth. And this was a young boy who would have, because of he, who his father was and who his grandfather was, he would have been destined for greatness because of the family he was in and because his grandfather was the king. But he's crippled in this accident. He can no longer walk. And he's basically hidden away from the age of five. He's hidden. Partly because of his connection to Saul, because... 3,000 years ago in this culture, uh, if a king is killed, his whole family tends to get destroyed. It's the way it, it was. Anyone left is a threat to the new king. And so he would have been hidden away for that. But he's also, 3,000 years ago, to, to, to be unable to walk like that was actually a shameful thing. It would have been like it would have been like there's something wrong with this young boy. Let's keep him locked up. Let's keep him in a room. Let's keep him out of sight. This isn't right. And it's hard for us today to kind of think, what was that like? Uh, because we, we've kind of come a long way, and 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 the rights of people with with all sorts of disabilities these days, uh, uh, we just don't think like that anymore. But we've got to put this in the context of 3,000 years ago. This would have been a shameful thing because he would have shown his worth by battle, by fighting, by, by winning battles, by leading armies. And he just would never have been able to do that. And so he was kind of shut away. And so I want to talk a bit about shame today because shame is something we don't often talk a lot about, but it's very important for us. So I want to talk about the power of shame. I want to talk about how I see David's response here, shoving a signpost to King Jesus. And I want to ask us a question to finish with. So the first thing I want to talk about today un under this heading of the power of kindness, I'm calling it, is, is the power of shame, the power of shame. And shame is both an ancient and I believe a modern problem. So our culture tends to talk a bit more about guilt, which I see as horizontal. So guilt is more of a sense of I've done something wrong and I, I've got to answer for it. And it's an internal sense of uh, there's something wrong here that I've got to pay for. Whereas I would say shame is more vertical. So, so shame is more about um, what are other people going to think of me? How will, do, do I fit uh, and there are what I would call shame and honour cultures very much in the Middle East today. We tend to be more of a guilt culture, but I think that social media and our dependence on it is making us more aware of shame. Is Do I fit in this culture? What do other people think of me? And that tends to be the, the, the front that we put onto others because we can feel a sense of shame. Now, shame can be, can come from something that we've done or something that's been done to us that we think if, if anyone finds out about this, they're going to think terrible things about me. This is just so embarrassing. Uh, 
I, I might not fit anymore. People might just shun me. And that's what shame can do. Shame can lock us in secrecy. It can also, though, be a sense of, rather than just something specific, it can be a general sense of I'm just not good enough. I just don't fit. If people knew the real me, uh, I'd get rejected. Or we can think, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm going to get found out one day. If people really knew what I thought, if people really knew what I struggled with, people really knew this stuff, uh, I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to get thought worse of. Uh, I, I'm not going to fit. And we can carry around these things. I, I, I read recently just a sense of um, someone who, th this is kind of a description of someone feeling shame. And it's more about who they are than anything else. And let me just read it to you. It says this, is, I often feel like a failure. With this failure comes feelings of deep embarrassment. In my head, in my head, people are jeering and laughing at me. What a mess, I'm assuming they're thinking. How does, or how do I even show my face in public? On days like this, I am doubtful anyone will take me as I am with all my twisted, ugly failings. And we can think, no, I tell you, people live like this. People live in a world that no one else is let into with all their sense of insecurity, their sense of, I'm a failure. If people really knew me, they'd reject me. This is what shame can do for us. It's powerful. It can cause people to live a life of isolation in terms of what's really happening in their lives, what their emotions really are, what they really think about themselves. See, let's consider this passage. We'll, we'll actually just look at three of these verses with the time we've got. 2 Samuel 9 verse 6, as Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of David, came to Saul and he fell on his face and paid homage and David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered him, Behold, I'm your servant. You see, it's easy to flick past this and really not understand what's happening. I think Mephibosheth was terrified. He, he has no idea what's going to happen here. He hasn't seen David for years. He doesn't know what's happening. He's been hidden away. This is the new king. He's part of the old family. I could be killed. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen? Don't I don't think he knows what this is, what is going on here. And actually, says David, it says later on, has to tell him not to be fearful. He's trembling. He falls on his. He falls on the ground. See, it could be. I've been. He could be thinking. I've been found out. Literally, physically, I've been found out. I've been hidden away in this place, and now I've been found by the new king, and I'm part of the old family. And what is going to happen? I think he's probably scared. What about us? You see, we can be afraid of being found out. We can be afraid of appearing, being appearing shallow, unqualified, not just not making the grade. I'd be found out. See, shame is part of being the children of Adam. God created this world perfectly as a perfect paradise with perfect people. We messed it up, and the first thing that happened was Adam and Eve are covering themselves up. They're feeling shame before a perfect God. And we're born with this. We carry it with us. 
and we can feel like we're not welcome and we can bring it into our Christian lives. We're just not welcome. We don't measure up. He's shaking and trembling. He's falling on his face. And we can feel like that about God. Maybe even today. You can even carry it into that. Am I really good enough? I know there's stuff in my head. I know the gospel. You, I, I know. Just a sense of I'm not sure I measure up. I'm not good enough. The power of shame. Let me, let me, give, you some, let me give you some really good news. Have you heard me, you've heard me say before how Jesus is like the one who's coming. He, it's like the signpost to him all the way through the Old Testament. And the, the character of David is one of those signposts. We can look at things in David's life and see him as like a foretaste. And, and I, I would call Jesus a greater David, a much greater David. Why do I say this? Well, let me just say a couple of things about this. I think one would be surprising kindness. This is what I think. I think David shows surprising kindness. Might say amazing grace. Jesus shows surprising kindness. What am I saying? Well, look, let's look at verse 7. Let's move on one verse. 2 Samuel 9, verse 7. He's thrown himself on the ground. He's saying, I'm your servant, David. David say to him, do not fear do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness. I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And we can read this verse and think, that's nice. I want to say to you, the more I study this, the more I look at this, it's not, it's not nice isn't, isn't enough. This is an extraordinary thing to happen. This is out of the ordinary. This is surprising. This is unusual. This is not what happened in this culture 3,000 years ago. There's something strange happening here. God has done something deep in the life of David. The, 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 there's something surprising. This is surprising kindness. This is amazing grace. This is like a true parable of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. I'm going to show you kindness. It's what God does through Jesus Christ. I'm going to restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. You're going to eat at my table. God says, come in. <laughs> come in, eat at my table. Prepare a table for you in the presence of my enemies. That's what David writes. You see, what an amazing attitude. You think, well, has this really got relevance to my life? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God so loved the world. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5 says this. First three verses are about us being dead in our trespasses and sins. We can't find our way back to God ourselves. The kindness of God says, Ephesians 2 verse 4, but God, but God, being rich in mercy. Well, I see, I see David being rich in mercy. This is our story, church. This is our story. But God being rich in mercy 
Why? Well, because of the great love with which he loved us. God loves you greatly. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our sins, God still loved us. He was rich in mercy towards us. And what's he done? It says he's made us alive together in Christ. By grace you've been saved. By grace you've been saved. You've been made alive together in Christ because of the great love with which God loves you. So what's happening to Mephibosheth here? Grace is being extended to him. Kindness. He, he thought he was in trouble. He could have been killed. And he gets brought into the house of the king. I know you're part of this family, this other family, but I, I'm looking way through that, David's saying. This is surprising, amazing grace. Mephibosheth probably can't believe what's going on. What are you doing today? I can't believe it. It's not just, it's not just it'll be okay. He's saying, come and eat at my table. It's extraordinary. See, when we first get to know God, and we should carry this through our lives, a sense of this gospel is so good, it's hard for me to believe it's true. If we start to get to the point where we're familiar with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's kind of, yeah, it's good. We should be overwhelmed with it. This is kindness, such kindness, grace, mercy extended to us. We should be surprised. People were surprised by Jesus. The woman tries to get close to Jesus, who's been bleeding many years, just touches the end of his cloak. She's healed. Totally surprised. She's never expecting that. Just touch his cloak. You see children trying to come to Jesus and the disciples are going, go away, you, you naughty children. You're a menace, go away. And Jesus says, stop it. Let the children come to me. The disciples are going, what? See, a woman who pours ointment over Jesus and the disciples are going, that's distasteful, stop it. Jesus goes, people are going to talk about what she's done. It's amazing. Jesus is on a, he, he, Jesus prays and he says, Father, forgive them on the cross. They don't know what they're doing. Surprising mercy. Being crucified. They, they, don't know, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. Jesus is full of surprises. The gospel should keep surprising us. Can this really be true? Mephibosheth, not expecting kindness. He's from the house of Saul. What, what amazing kindness is shown jesus shows kindness what about faithfulness david's made a promise to jonathan to look after his family so what happened we looked at it several months ago in one samuel that they say to each other they're kind of weeping and crying knowing they might not see each other again and they make this promise will you extend kindness and generosity to to the families our families that will go after us so they say yes and this is david following through on a promise he made it's faithfulness he's demonstrating here. He didn't have to do this, but he's made a promise. He's going to follow through. Jesus, faithful to the covenant promises of his Father. Not my will be done, but yours, Jesus says. Struggles through in the garden at Gethsemane. Not my will be done, but yours. If there's no other way, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to do it. Jesus, totally, utterly faithful. I want to say to you, 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 you follow a faithful God. The faithfulness of God. Things don't always work out the way we think they're going to work out, but that does not count against God's faithfulness 1%. No way. You serve a faithful God. 
for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ, God is still looking for Mephibosheths in Ottawa today. <laughs> the ones who are kind of scared, the ones who are thinking, what's going to happen to me? The ones who are hidden away, the ones who maybe feel shame in their lives. God's saying, you're the ones I'm bringing to my table. Come to my table, come right in. Let me finish with a question. We've looked at the power of shame. We've looked at how Jesus is the greater David. Surprising kindness, faithfulness. Let me finish with a question. Will we receive this abounding goodness and generosity? Like this land he's given Mephibosheth. Come to my table. Be in my wider family. Have servants. How does Mephibosheth react to this? Next verse, 2 Samuel 9 verse 8. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? I think he's struggling to receive it. Who am I? What are you? Well, I'm a dead dog. I'm the lowest. Of, I'm nothing. What are you doing, David? You see, God can be so good to you to give you a hope and a future and deal with your past and change things in your life and pour blessing on you place you in his family and we can still struggle to accept it we can still feel like inside i'm a bit of a dead dog <laughs> i'm rubbish i don't measure up god i can't really come to you with confidence god i can't be confident with those around me if they really knew be, it's, it's going to go wrong we can be like mephibosheth here you see jesus when we come to Jesus, we come to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's what it says in Colossians 3 verse 2. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The unsearchable riches of Christ, it says in Ephesians. But even so, we can still be saying, I'm not really any use. I'm not good enough. And God's saying to you, receive Jesus and you receive his perfect life. And I'm giving you a full inheritance you're coming into my family. You're now a child of God. You've got inheritance to everything. You're adopted into my family. You're a son and a daughter. I don't see you like you see yourself anymore. See, start seeing yourself as God sees you and not as maybe you've grown up with or things you've lived with. It can be tiring to be like this. It can be, it can be you can feel like no one understands. See, David, I think, did understand when Mephibosheth did this because David said this to Saul when Saul was hunting him. He confronted him. He said, Saul, why are you coming after a dead dog like me? And he can hear Mephibosheth say it and think, I know what that feels like. Does Jesus understand us? I think he does. Jesus knows what it's like to be like us. He's walked a dusty earth. He's been tempted in every way as we are, yet he's without sin. He's, he's kind of walked in our shoes. He's walked in our infirmities, our shame, our weakness. He's felt pressure. He's felt temptation. He's felt mockery. He's felt physical attack. He's even been picked last behind criminals. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like, but he's risen. He's conquered death. He's taken our shame at the cross. Hebrews 12, 2 says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Cross is a shameful thing. He's fought through it. He's taken our shame at the cross. 
Now he offers this overflowing, abounding goodness. Let's be good at receiving it. Let's be good. Let's not let what we really think about ourselves. Say, if this is you, if you know, you think, I, I don't think I measure up. I don't think God's really happy with me. Can I, can I urge you to share it with someone? Go and talk to someone about it. Let them pray with you. Mephibosheth ends up accepting this and his life's completely changed. He receives the goodness, the overflowing generosity of David. I want to say to you, be someone who receives the overflowing, amazing grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Change your life.